Hey, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast, the podcast about public speaking for women and so much more. Can I just say, I'm so happy to have you for my 50th episode and one year anniversary. I can't even believe I'm saying that right now. A year ago when I started recording this podcast, I thought, is this something I really want to do? Am I going to be good at this? What's going to happen here? Turns out I love podcasting (laughs) and I really, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy sharing the information. I enjoy hearing from you guys, the listeners about what you're learning and how it's helping your public speaking, helping your public speaking business, helping you in your life. It's just a great way to connect with people. So thanks for being along for this journey. It's so cool to see our audience continuing to grow and just more people connecting, asking to be on the show. It's just like (laughs) one of those things you never know what's going to happen, right? So I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. (laughs) I'm also a speaker and an author and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. Today's episode is very special and near and dear to my heart, and I'm very excited to bring it to you because it's a chance for you to take a rare look inside the mysterious world of the Speaker Sisterhood. You may be asking, what is so mysterious about the Speaker Sisterhood, and what is the Speaker Sisterhood? These are excellent questions. (laughs) That means you're following along. (laughs) It's mysterious because... What happens in the sisterhood stays in the sisterhood. That's what we always say. So in order to create a safe space to say what you want, the rules are strict around sharing and keeping secrets. So today I'm breaking those rules for our special 50th episode. And I want to just kind of go inside and show you what this magic is like. So the sisterhood I'm referring to is the Speaker Sisterhood, a company I founded last year. And the Sisterhood is a network of clubs for women who want to learn and practice the art of public speaking to help them discover their voice and themselves in the process. So I'm going to give you some background story on this, because I'm sure if you've listened before, you've heard me mention the Speaker Sisterhood, and maybe I've talked a little bit about it. But up until now, I haven't really gotten to detail about what we're doing in there and why it is so freaking special. (laughs) So it started as an experiment last year and it has blossomed into this entire movement with a life of its own. In our meetings, members get up and they give prepared speeches or they go freestyle and give an unprepared speech. They also learn the fundamentals of improvisation and they learn how it connects to public speaking and presence. And we talk about their public speaking journey and they gather and they give feedback and they become part of a supportive and fun community of like-minded women. If any of that sounds interesting to you, you would love the Speaker Sisterhood. And, you know, when I when I think about that description, I'm like, that is exactly what I'm looking for in my life. Like, if someone were to ask me to describe the perfect place to hang out, I would say there, like hang out with cool women, learn about myself, learn a new skill, have fun, maybe change the world. I mean, what else could I possibly think of doing that would be better? So that's what the Speaker Sisterhood is. And on the surface, it looks like a skill building club, right? But underneath, it is so much more. And the funny part is I had no idea 
what I was building when I started this. You know, I knew I was putting together something that would allow women to practice public speaking, but I had no idea just how transformational it would be for everyone involved. So since launching our first club in Springfield, Massachusetts last summer in August of 2016, we've launched several more around Western Mass, where I live, and I, learned, I started to learn about licensing models. And I found out that if we built an offering like this club that could be replicated, we could build clubs all over the world. How cool, right? Once we found out that it's something women wanted, my next thought was, well, how do we build more of them? <laughs> so we got to work building a curriculum and a brand last fall. And we built a training so anyone we trained and who wanted to buy a license and run her own club could you know, get all the pieces of how to do that correctly and then go and launch her, her club. So we licensed our first group of four club leaders in February this year and cut the ribbon on the Speaker Sisterhood Leader Training Academy. <laughs> Such a cool name, right? We taught our new club leaders how to find suitable locations for their Speaker Sisterhood Club to meet. We taught them how to market their club. We taught them how to run a meeting, how to use our curriculum, and how to grow their membership. And we created the entire training in just four weeks. <laughs> and then we administered the training over the course of a full day, all done in the living room of my Victorian house. Because, you know, it's a startup. you got to make it work, right, guys? And I remember, I'm going to try to talk about this part without totally freaking out. I remember watching everyone come in the day of the training and thinking to myself, are we really doing this? <laughs> Did these women really just invest their money in a license to help build this company and be part of our mission to help women around the world discover their voice? Is that, is that a real thing? And suddenly the reality of the situation felt enormous. Like rather than just think of this moment as the peak of what we have been working on for four months, it felt more like the culmination of all the work I had been doing over the last 14 years. And if you're wondering what happened 14 years ago, <laughs> 14 years ago, I was 22 years old and graduating from college. And at that time, I was so committed to figuring out what I was going to do to better the world. And on that day of training a, a few months ago, that thing was right in front of me. So once we gathered around the table that morning, our first agenda item was to go around the circle and one by one say a bit about ourselves, like why we were there, what we wanted to accomplish, stuff like that. And rather than go first... I turned to the woman on my right and I said, why don't you start the introductions? <laughs> because I suddenly felt so nervous and I felt so hot. I was actually sweating and, and the excitement actually started to turn to nausea. And this moment reminded me of the first time I ever practiced public speaking. <laughs> and I knew that what we were about to do that day was going to be huge. So when the last woman finished and it was my turn to go, I didn't know whether to laugh, to cry, to hide under the table, <laughs> hug everyone, or just stare. <laughs> because I felt terrified and excited and overwhelmed by every emotion at the same time. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you. <laughs> but 
I don't even remember what I said that day, but I'll never forget how I felt in that moment. Looking every woman in the eye at that table, connecting with each of them, feeling more supported and appreciated than ever, and all I wanted to do was let them know that I appreciated them just as much, and that was all I could focus on. (laughs) The rest of the training that day was also a blur for me. Because it went well and everyone was left feeling excited and prepared and everything. But all I could think was, whoa, (laughs) we're doing this thing. Like this is, we're actually going to build this network of speaking clubs for women. And it it made me feel like we accomplished a major goal that day. And, you know, as I've been telling the story about the training and the building of the curriculum and the brand, I've been referring to we as if I'm more than one person. And I'm not more than one person, but I have a team. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about my team and and who is helping to build this with me. Two of the most important people who joined my team early on to help build this movement are Kathy McNally and Amber Ladley. Kathy and I met early last year by chance. I was on LinkedIn and I was just like, you know, you just kind of go from profile to profile. And I happened to see her profile And as soon as I saw it, my first thought was, how have we never met? (laughs) She's a public speaker, a trainer, a comedian. She lives in my area. I loved her picture. And I thought, "How we need to meet. And I sent her a message immediately and said, let's get coffee. And around the same time, I met Amber. Amber responded to my call for interviews I was doing around at that same time when I was launching the speaking school for women and looking for women who wanted to be speakers so I could ask them what they would want in a course like this. And so Amber and I met for lunch and she described her love of upcycling and crafting and her quiet desire for maybe possibly one day building her public speaking skills. (laughs) And when I met both of these women, I knew they were special And it wouldn't be until about eight months later that I'd realized they would form the leadership team of the Speaker Sisterhood. And so they joined me in November last year, and we made a plan to see if we could build this movement together. Amber and Kathy officially joined the Speaker Sisterhood as leaders in January, and the three of us set out to build a company with an ambitious goal, global reach, and worldwide impact which is like the most exciting thing I can think of. (laughs) So Kathy is now the director of program development and training, and Amber is the creative director. So since our training of that first group of Western Mass licensees in February, we've added more clubs in new markets. We have Megan in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. We have Christina in Portland, Maine. Wendy, who's in the Boston area, and we have another club on the way in New Zealand, which is our first international club, which is like blowing my mind. Like, could we have picked a place farther away (laughs) to have our first international club? I'm so psyched about that. So enough about us. I'm excited because today's episode is actually about the members of the Speaker Sisterhood. I brought my recorder into a meeting of the Northampton Mass Speaker Sisterhood Club, which is a club I lead, and I recorded speeches from five of the members. And I just have to give major props to all the members of that club because they are so open to my experiments and crazy ideas, and and they just go with whatever I come up with. So thank you, guys. 
Uh, these speeches were recorded last week, June 5th, 2017. And in today's episode, you'll get to hear two of these speeches. The other three speeches will be featured next week in episode 51. Each speech spans around seven to eight minutes, and you'll get to hear a short interview with each of the speakers afterwards. A large part of what we're doing through the Speaker Sisterhood isn't just working on public speaking skills, as I mentioned. We're also focused on the personal journey that accompanies doing this type of work. So I hope you enjoy this special inside glimpse into the most important and fulfilling work I've ever had the privilege of being a part of. Without further ado, our first speech by Amber Ladley, Creative Director of the Speaker Sisterhood and member of the Northampton Club. Amber is new to speaking, still in her first year, and her speech is entitled, Amber Talks Trash. How's everyone doing tonight? Great. Good. My name is Amber Ladley, and I'm here to talk trash. <laughs> Who here thinks that humans today create a lot of waste? Yeah. You're right. In fact, in 2013, Americans generated 254 million tons of trash. Does anyone want to guess what category made up the largest portion of that statistic? Plastic's a good guess. Paper? Cardboard? Uh, yes, and the, they're all part of it, but it's a larger category of... Um, Clothes, containers, and packaging. Yeah, about 30% or over 75 million tons of um, containers and packaging made up. That, that waste. So I was at the grocery store last week and I was ready to get in the checkout line and we have a family of four so our cart is like <laughs> overflowing and right before I get in the checkout line I always have to take a look to make sure that we've got enough, enough food for the week. Um, do we have breakfast, lunch, dinner, healthy, healthy snacks, not so healthy snacks, <laughs> produce, protein, you know, did I remember the salsa for lazy taco and the cheese for pizza night? And I'm looking in the cart, and I thought, there's just as much waste in this cart as there is food that we're going to consume. And so, so what can we do? The obvious solution um, would be not to create waste in the first place. And... I don't know about you, but that seems pretty hard to do in, in our world today. Um, things are, are pretty convenient. And not everybody has time to, to uh, make things from scratch. I mean, certainly, you know, going to your uh, farmer's market and bringing your own bags. I hope everybody, when they go to the grocery store, brings your own bags. Doesn't, doesn't take home um, plastic that you don't need to. But then there's things, you know, this time, especially this time of year, we've got graduation parties and Fourth of July parties, and there's lots of disposables and, and, and lots of one-time use items. And so, I, you know, in doing that research about the statistics, I found a statement from the EPA that said that the reduction and reuse are the most effective ways that you can save natural resources, protect the environment, and save money. And I'd like to add a creative twist to their agenda. 
Did you know that waste can inspire creativity? And we all need creative thoughts in order to help solve these problems of having too much waste on our planet. So, you know that that's one of my favorite things to do, is to craft with waste. Find ways that we can use things um, that we already have in front of us. So I like to make a lot of handmade gifts, or just every, every day, um, just reuse everyday materials that we have. I mean, we go to the store and we buy these cute little organizers and containers when we're throwing out organizers and containers all, all the time. So I really want to um, take a moment to really think about what else we might be able to do. So one of my favorite games is brainstorming. And so I thought it would be fun to do some creative brainstorming with some of the materials that we always throw away. So I've brought some materials here. And I have some things that have already been upcycled or are partially upcycled to, to show as, as examples. But I'd love to hear from you, from the materials that you see on the table here, what ideas w might we be able to create? Laura? So if you use that little mesh piece of yes. cloth right there, yep. and you have little scraps of soap that you can't hold on to in the shower anymore, oh. you can tie them up in there. And it's as if you made yourself a scrubby with soap in it already. I love it. And you can, it'll exfoliate you, and you get to use the little scraps. Wonderful. <laughs> is that the top of a Clementine It box? is the top of a Clementine <laughs> box. Anybody else for this one? All right, I'll, I'll show you what I did, too. So I saw it as a, um, a DIY kit for weaving. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, you, looking on Pinterest and things, I was seeing all kinds of uh, yarn weavings and things. So I just uh, made it into a little uh, a weaving kit. So you <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. Thanks. All right, what's, what's next? Yeah. I actually just read about this today. It's kind of gross. Okay. Um, you can make a, either a kill or a no-kill mousetrap uh -huh. with that can. This one? Yes. Okay. So you take a five-gallon bucket yep. and you put a string across the top and you coat that can with peanut butter. Uh-huh. And then you, you, you put the string, you put a hole in the back, and so the mouse goes across to get the peanut butter and falls into the bucket. And if you want to kill it, you put water in the bucket. And if you don't want to kill it, you just leave it empty, and then you go take it to a park. And it won't get out of this? And, well, no, because it's, it's going to spin on the string oh. and fall into the bucket and can't get out. Oh. So you don't have to use poison. Okay. You don't have to kill it if you don't want to. But you got to take that mouse five miles away from the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh -huh. All right. <laughs> Thank you. The mouse program is very useful of resources. So I know I've showed you, um, showed you before the taking off the top. You can take off the tops of these with a can opener. And then I also learned that you can reuse the six-pack holders. So I removed all of these cans, and I thought that this would be a really great utensil holder for picnics or uh, art supplies. Or a beer game. Or a beer game, <laughs> yes. All right. We only have a few, a little bit more time, so how about one more? Anybody want to take a stab at one of the items? The toilet paper roll? The toilet paper roll. Just for, like, looking into the woods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a telescope, a pretend telescope. <laughs> yeah, Laura. I have to say, I love this. 
say that with the bags that are heavier, like the coffee bag, yep. I use that to dispose of gross packaging. Mm -hmm. right? So I can put something in there, like a meat package that's kind of disgusting, and I can roll the top down and seal it up, and that means that it doesn't smell as soon, because those things are going into the landfill anyway, and if it means that I don't take my garbage out as often, then I'm being less wasteful in other ways. So. Awesome. Yeah, th this one... Um, this one in particular, I've, I've saved, I have about 20 of these. <laughs> I've been saving them for a while because they are really thick, yeah. and so they're useful. And so actually today I was looking at them, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I turn it inside out. So I turned it inside out and folded it down and took the little hook. But I thought mm -hmm. that this would be so cute to hang up as one of those, um, you know, one of those little organizer things where you can have a bunch of, mm -hmm. bunch of things going on. <laughs> So, um, thank you, everybody, for taking some time to brainstorm, and I hope that I have inspired you to become more conscious consumers and mindful discarders and creative beings. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so I'm here with Amber Ladley, who gave a speech last night about trash. And before we get into the speech, I want... Amber to tell everyone a little bit about herself. So Amber, welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Angela. Can you introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about you? Sure. Um, my name is Amber Ladley, and I am the creative director of the Speaker Sisterhood. And I'm also a big advocate for reducing waste on our planet and not only reducing waste, but actually creatively reusing waste in fun in fun ways. Um, awesome. And how long have you been speaking? Not very long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely new to um, public speaking. I went through Angela's Speaking School for Women last spring, and then I joined the Northampton Club, Speaker Sisterhood Club, in September. And so I've been speaking at the club since, since September, and I've done a few um, creative workshops at, at local libraries. Cool. And what made you want to join the Speaker Sisterhood as a member? Well, I had never really considered public speaking um, as any, really any interest in it. But, um, but I really, I just really enjoyed when I got up there. I've always loved teaching and I really enjoyed um I guess the idea of sharing a message to a group and I thought it would be a really great way for me to stretch out of my comfort zone and um, I have a background in website development so I've spent a lot of my professional career behind a computer and not really speaking in groups so most of my stuff is kind of one-on-one -on -one. and so I'm not really comfortable speaking in front of groups and when I joined the Speaker Sisterhood it was certainly um, a, a leap for me comfort wise. And I've just really enjoyed the support and encouragement of the women in the group. What what surprised you most about what you've learned through public speaking or through being a member? Well, I guess, you know, I've heard you say so many times that uh, public speaking is like getting a master's degree in your psyche. And it's, it's just so true, because I've just been uncovering a lot of a lot of myself. Um, and I guess what surprised me the most is how hard I can be on myself when, uh, especially when kind of preparing for these, for these talks. Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
Are you still understanding that? Well, you know, I, I, I know what it is. It's the perfectionism and I've always had it. And I've been up for a while. I was calling myself a recovering perfectionist because I really thought I had gotten over that. And this is just really like shining a light on it again. <laughs> and so, yeah, that. <laughs> so how did you feel going into the speech? I was really nervous. I, um, because I knew it was being recorded and, uh, you know, my perfectionist was really, um, really wanting it to just come out perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I was very, I was really much more nervous than I had been for some of the previous speeches that I've given, um, recently that I, I didn't do as much prep for, and I just was more relaxed going into them. Mm. Do you know what the voice was telling you about yourself as you were preparing or starting to feel nervous about the speech? Was it about comparison to the other speeches or like, oh, what if this sucks and then the world thinks I suck? Or like, what, what was going on there? Yeah, I I think it was more just um, I want to be a good representative of the speaker sisterhood. So it was it, that's really I wasn't comparing myself to any of the other speakers um, I just wanted to feel like I did a rock star job mm-hmm. <laughs> and I set my expectations really high. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel it, like, how do you feel it went? Do you, are you happy with it or? Uh, it, it was okay. I, um, I was pretty hard on myself when I left after because I just felt like, well, it wasn't perfect, but I did set my expectations really high <laughs> and I kind of felt crappy when I went home last night. And, um, but then I just didn't really know what was going on. And I just kind of sat with my feelings. I talked to my husband a bit about it and I just realized that, um, that I didn't need to set my expectations so high and that I took the joy out of the process because those other speeches that I didn't prepare for, I really enjoyed. And I didn't, I didn't ruin, you know, not ruin my day, but I just kind of felt stressed out for the day and, and rushed and things. And so I just really, I felt like I removed the joy from the process, which shining a light on that is, was a really good thing for me. And then after I realized that I was just experiencing a lot of discomfort in my body. And I felt like instead of feeling crappy about those feelings, I realized that they're growing pains and that I have to go through that. Mm -hmm. You know, I started thinking my neighbor recently had a baby and I remember talking about I've had two kids and I started remembering about, you know, labor pains and telling her that like it, the the thing that helped me with my second was remembering that each of those pains was getting closer to the end result of of birthing the baby. And so that's kind of how I looked at my growing pains last night. Rather than looking at them in a negative way, I tried to spin it and think like, well, that's getting me one step closer to becoming a speaker. Yeah. Now, when you think about removing the joy from the process yesterday. Do you notice that happen in other times in your life too? Or was that really about public speaking and about this process? Oh, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I can absolutely see it in other times. Um, you know, when I'm planning a in the past, you know, planning a birthday party for the kids and wanting to get all the food ready for everybody coming over and have a good spread and make sure everybody's got, you know, if, if there's diet restrictions, we've got all of that covered and there's something for everyone to eat and I'm running around like crazy and I'm being just a beast <laughs> to everybody because I need to get out of my way so I can get all this stuff done so we can have this party. 
And um, and that's something that I really should be enjoying rather than just kind of, you know, rushing through. Yeah. So do you think that what you learned last night will take you, will help you when you put your next speech together, but maybe also help you with other things you're doing? Absolutely. That's awesome. So what would you have changed besides maybe the way that you approached it, you know, mentally? Was there anything else in the speech that you felt maybe you could have added or taken out or done differently? Yeah. Um, so it was really helpful to have the feedback of everybody. Um, I guess in, in preparing, I would say that I would just really just take the pressure off myself and remind myself that it, it's really just a place to practice. Um, and I don't, I don't have to set such high expectations. And I was really grateful for the feedback from the group. Um, last night I was going to bed. It was like, you know, 10 o'clock or something. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I never took out my feedback strips. So I went and got them (laughs) and read them in bed. And I was just like, Oh, they're just so nice to read because it's just really encouraging and supportive. Um, but some of the feedback was that, you know, I didn't have to do the statistics and that, um, everybody really enjoys my favorite piece too, which is just sharing in the joy of upcycling and creative ideas and brainstorming and to just bring more of me into the talk rather than, um, you know, backing it up with, with data. And in this, this particular case, everyone understands that there's a lot of waste. So the data wasn't completely necessary. Mm-hmm. And and did you feel like, wow, that's, that's great feedback because that's what I want to do or, what did you think about it? Yeah, I thought it w- I thought it was really great feedback. And then they just said lots of kind things about um, all of the creative projects and ideas and energy. And they and quite a few people really loved my opening line. So I was I was feeling proud about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to repeat it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hi, I'm Amber Ladley, and I'm here to talk trash. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Did you sleep with those feedback strips under your pillow? <laughs> they were on my headboard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so if someone listening right now is thinking, oh, maybe I'd like to sign up for that, or like, that sounds really cool, what would you tell them? I would say just try it. You know, it's, even if you're not, even if you're you have no intention of becoming a speaker, um, communication is such an important skill that we all need need in our everyday lives, personally and professionally. And if you can just get there to get yourself there to try it, I think you'll be really pleasantly surprised. Um, the Speaker Sisterhood is attracting women from all different walks of life and industries, but they're all coming with with such a kind, open heart. And I really appreciate the community that we're building. Well, thanks for being part of my 50th episode and one year anniversary of the podcast. Absolutely. Woohoo! <laughs> Our second speech is from Sandra Costello, and the focus of her speech is on creativity, exploration, and joy. So, I'm going to talk about expectations today. And as I was sitting listening to Laura talk a little bit, I thought, I'm going to come up here and do a shitty job. I'm just going to allow myself to do a shitty job so that I can just like really kind of get into this. I also wanted to tell you that like when I am getting ready for things, there are certain things I do to cope. And one of those things is I make a list. It's just like, it's how I process stuff. So you're going to help me create my list 
right now. So I'm going to ask you for certain words, and you can just yell it out. And if the same person keeps yelling, I'm going to call on other people. So the first thing I'm looking for is a negative adjective. Wait, <laughs> I got something else. So, give me a positive adjective. Optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Linda, can you give me an activity? Uh, jump rope. Jump rope. Okay, good. Uh, and I'm looking for another activity. I won't call on anyone. Baseball. Okay, good. Great. Uh, I need a verb. Sarah? Skiing. Okay. And then Amber, another verb? Running. Okay. Um, Lynn, can you give me a number? 20. 20, good. Okay. Is it Susan? Christina. Chris, Christina. <laughs> um, adjective? Um, pretty. Pretty. Oh, good. Okay, good. Who am I missing? Gina, how about a plural noun? Uh, uh, cats. Cats. Oh, God, this is so good. Um, okay, Carla, how about a noun? Door. Laura, can I have a celebrity name, please? Mm, Angelina Jolie. Okay. Uh, let's see. Brett, how about a reaction? Eek. <laughs> <laughs> can you give me a different one? <laughs> you know what? No. <laughs> okay, good. And then, Angela, I need a positive adjective. Um, magnificent? So this is what I know about high expectations for myself. When they are too high, I miss out on creativity, I miss out on experimenting, and more importantly, I miss out on joy. When I'm photographing, I really try to keep this in mind. And when I used to work with this one friend of mine, I would say, let's spin today. You know, because I imagine this idea of spinning and spinning and that it would allow me to just like, you know, do whatever I felt in that moment. And I love that idea. So I'm going to give you two examples of things that worked and didn't work. So the first one is uh, a while back I did this event called Happy Headshots. And this is, this is an event where you leave with a happy headshot, right? <laughs> so I had a couple of folks sign up for this event, and these were acquaintances, and these were people who I really wanted to do a good job. Like, I didn't sleep the night before thinking about wanting to get a good headshot for this person in the 15 minutes that I had allotted for them. 15 minutes. I mean, come on, people. So what happened was, like, I got totally stressed, and it didn't go the way that I had planned. It didn't. Later in the day, when other people came who I didn't even know, knocked it out of the park, right? So I'll compare it to another event that I had. I was um, asked to speak, and I spoke to a group of high school kids. And I was like, whatever, no big deal. Like, I wasn't stressed about it. I didn't prepare too much. I even didn't ask them 
much about what what I needed to say or what they wanted to hear from me. I just knew it was these kids in an alternative uh, learning program, and I thought, I'm going to tell them about myself, and I'm going to tell them that the most important thing is that they be themselves too. At the end of my talk, and, and during the talk, there were some awkward moments, but they did ask a lot of questions. So I knew like things were moving along. When it was finished, I looked over at the instructor, and she said, and I thought, great. Like, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I did, but we talked about it and I understood. And what I learned in that moment was that because I wasn't overly prepared, I could just like speak off the cuff and I could talk genuinely about the things that really mattered to me. So two things happened from that experience. One, she asked me to come back and do a speaker series and potentially be paid. Yes. And then when I went back to my car, I had a message, and I learned that a speaking gig that I had said yes to, I totally missed. I was supposed to be on Mass Appeal at the same time that I did this gig, but I was convinced it was supposed to happen the next day. But there was something that happened for me in that moment where I wasn't stressed. And I think it was because of how I didn't prepare for this talk. So I thought, okay, well, this wasn't great that I missed this. I'll bring them a bottle of beer and it'll be fine. And it was. And I was on the show two days later. So, you know, I feel like when I am open to an experience, everything changes. And it made me think a lot about public speaking and how I allowed that to enter into my life. And this one thing that, that Angela often talks about is collecting information each time you give a talk. And what I love about that is that you know every time you do this, something new is going to come from it, and it will make the next one even better. And so I took that experience, and I, I get a little stressed about speaking, but mostly I get excited. And the idea of collecting information allows me to get excited and not stressed, and I can bring that into my other work, because I know what the possibilities are. There are a couple other things I want to tell you about, but I have run out of time. But I do want to finish my Mad Lib so that you guys can hear what it looks like. So I need another adjective, Gaitri. Oh, happy. Great. Uh, Angela, can you give me a piece of clothing? Underwear. Underwear. <laughs> Brett, can you give me a noun? Uh, boxes. Boxes, okay. And Christina, mm -hmm. can I have a positive adjective? Happy. Happy, okay, great. So I'm going to read this to you. Often when I'm feeling sloppy, it's because I've been hard on myself. I like to have control of how things run in my life with the rationale it'll make me feel optimistic, but sometimes that backfires. Do you like to jump rope or play baseball? How do you prepare for these things you want to exceed at? Do you ski, run, or maybe make 20 pretty cats to relieve stress? I often pull out my door and spin it around until I am thoroughly distracted. Angelina Jolie is my hero. <laughs> Why? Because she is never eked out when she is working on a new project. She was told that if she sets the bar low and focuses, focuses on having a magnificent time, uh, she, so she was told that she, 
she has told me that she sets the bar low and focuses on having a magnificent time. I go for a mediocre experience by putting on my happy underwear, gra <laughs> grabbing my favorite box, and knowing as long as I try my best, everything is going to be happy. <laughs> Thank you. Sandra, welcome to Plain Stage Podcast. Thank you so much. Angela, I'm excited to be here. This is great. I know, me too. We have a thousand things to talk about. But before we do that, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Sure. Again, my name is Sandra Costello, and I am a photographer. I photograph people. And I'm also known as the Chief Hugger. <laughs> you may, I wonder how many other people have that title. You know what? It's funny. I had someone ask me, uh, they wrote to me and they said, what is a hugger? Like, they didn't quite realize what it meant, which is very literal. I like to hug people. Um, so I don't think that people always get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone listening may remember Sandra from a past episode when I interviewed her about her experience with the Speaking School for Women. I believe you were in the first in the first part of that. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to that, Sandra had an awesome, awesome things to say about her speaking journey. And we're going to revisit that today because we just played your your talk that you did a couple nights ago at the Speaker Sisterhood meeting. And now I want to learn more about you and have you tell everyone about your speaking journey. So let's start with how long you've been speaking. How long has it been? Hmm. Well, officially, I would say about six to eight months. Last fall, I decided that I really wanted to make some changes in my life. And I wanted to get myself in front of groups. And I was really invigorated by that idea. And that's when I signed up for your speaking school, which I loved. And then now I continue to be a part of your of the Speaker Sisterhood twice a month. And I make every opportunity to speak in front of groups. And I love it in a way that I never imagined. <laughs> well, what made you want to join the Speaker Sisterhood? Well, I knew that if I didn't have a place to go to to practice being a speaker, that I would not continue to get better and I wouldn't continue to do the work. Because even though I love being able to speak in front of groups, you know, you're not, if, if you don't have opportunities, if you don't have ways to practice, you're not necessarily going to just do it at home in front of your cat, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and I love the idea of being able to do it with other women. So there were a couple of reasons I was really intrigued. And what has surprised you most about what you've learned by being a member? I think one of the best parts is this friendship, this overall friendship that has happened within the group. I feel like the women that are a part of this group really want to support each other. They want to see each other do well. And it's a very safe place to be able to talk about whatever is of interest to you and to know that whatever crazy ideas you bring to the group or ways that you want to present yourself, you will be supported. And if there is an opportunity for 
um, a critique, you know that it's going to be constructive. Yeah, absolutely. So your talk that you gave the other night was about a lot of things. I was trying to think of the the theme, and I think it's it's about creativity and exploration and joy. But you also threw in a Mad Lib and then some other stories. <laughs> so can you kind of rewind for a second and tell us why you picked this topic and this format and the the contents you did? So the idea was really to talk about expectation, to explore the idea of the pressure that we sometimes put on ourselves when we want to excel and how sometimes that pressure can actually backfire. So I created the Mad Lib as an exercise to include folks, but also to show that this whole kind of story that I put together didn't have to be perfect. And actually, when it was a little out of sort or things didn't quite line up, it actually made it more interesting. It became funny and... Um, yeah, so, you know, there there even was a piece when I'm asking folks for feedback to give me a word, and at some point I go, oh, oh, how about something different? And I realized that was what I was trying to stay away from. Like, I really wanted it to feel organic and to just watch it take off in a way that I hadn't planned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can over plan. So it's nice when we can allow ourselves to just be open to whatever the experience is going to be. Yeah. So how did it feel walking into the room that night, knowing that you were going to give a talk that was a little bit loose and could go anywhere? I was really excited. I, I think because I had had a little chat with myself that said, whatever, whatever it is, is what it's going to be you know, go in there, give a crappy talk. And, you know, so that was like permission to like bring um, the pressure down and to just have fun with it. And I really feel like I was able to do that and enjoy the experience and the engagement. Yep. That comes across so much. And I've seen you give a lot of talks now through the club. And it's been really wonderful to watch you relax and just kind of let the moment happen. And you, you're, you're creating the moment as, as it goes on. And we're watching you kind of shine and just be comfortable with yourself much more than reading notes and sticking to a script. And it's relaxing as an audience member to sit and just watch you enjoy that moment. And it's been really cool to watch that transformation. So when you finished the speech, how did you feel it went? Dude, I was like so excited, but at the same time, I didn't realize that I was going to talk longer than I imagined. So I had some other things that I wanted to include in my talk, but as time has gone on, I figured out ways how to wrap it up when I know I need to. Okay. So, so I feel like that is actually a valuable skill, and I felt so, I felt elated, actually. Um, it, you know, it was very short talk. It was very casual and relaxed and kind of fun talk. But when I ditched the script and allowed myself to be creative and just talk from the heart, man, that makes all the difference. 
<laughs> That's so true. That is the golden key to public speaking. If you can access that. And how, how do you let yourself go there? Because I think I, w- I would guess that there are women listening right now saying, yeah, that sounds great, but I can't imagine allowing that. I want to make sure I'm in control. I want to make sure I know what's going to happen. What if it goes wrong? How do you let that go on? <laughs> well, sometimes it involves wine. Um, but that's usually just at my house. (laughs) Um, I, I think it is a real process. Like when I think about the Mad Lib speech, I, I do think that there was a time where I really sat with what I wanted my topic to be and how I wanted to format my talk and nothing was really coming. And I just sat for a while with it. Then I let it go. Then I stepped away and I came back to it. And sometimes if I have a conversation with another person, like I say, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And they give me feedback. That's one way. That's one way for me to get into a better place. I think the other part is practice. And I think it's hard to get ourselves to practice when we feel nervous about something, you know, Even for someone like myself who does get excited about giving speeches, I think the perfectionist in me gets in the way. And so I procrastinate and I put off doing my speech. And so sometimes that can work to my advantage because I'm not overly prepared. But I do think when you've given yourself enough time to really talk about the things that are meaningful to you, like then that speech is going to come out of you a lot easier. And I think you'll also be able to speak more off the cuff, which I have found to be more enjoyable for myself and more engaging with my audience. Mm -hmm. I love that. So when you gave the speech and everyone gave you feedback, both written and verbal, what did you learn from what they shared with you? Well, the first person who gave me feedback, I could see on her face how happy she was after the speech. <laughs> yeah. And and she told me that she had never seen me so relaxed and I completely felt that. So that that for me is like my biggest goal. I always want to be conversational. I always want to be relaxed. I want to allow my humor and my personality to really shine and that was the feedback that I got from folks. Hmm. Plus, I think because because wanting to have some sort of audience engagement was a part of what I was trying to achieve. It allowed me to think outside of the box in terms of how I was going to deliver my information. And I think, I think audience participation might be something that I want to include in all of my speeches because there's something about that interaction for me that really frees me up. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel that way about speeches. Like if if there isn't audience interaction, I feel weird. I feel like I've done a disservice. I feel like disconnected from the group. And so I'm always looking for ways to add that. And it's so fun because it's like a blank slate. You can do anything you want. And absolutely. It's, yeah, it's great. So you, you took you gave the speech, you got the feedback, you're feeling good about it. What's next? What are you going to do differently for your next speech? Well, it's interesting. I have another professional gig coming up in a week and a half. And I think what I want to do 
is, and I've given this speech before, but what I really want to do is think about the parts that allow me to really engage with my, with my audience and how can I beef that up a little bit? Because I think that's really what people are craving. They like storytelling and they like to be engaged in one way or another, whether it's like, you know, giving feedback to the, the speaker or participating in an activity. And I'm going to try and do more of that. The, the other thing that I have started to implement in my last two speeches, and this is like a small little thing I've been doing, but it's been super helpful, is when there are certain points that I want to make, and I've used particular words to make those points, I try to remember the first letter of those words. So for example, I was giving a speech a few weeks ago, and I wanted to talk about empowering, transformation, and change. So the first letter of each of those are ETC, etc. And it was a little way for me to remember parts of my speech without having to look at my script. And it allowed me to tell stories in a more relaxed, kind of flowing sort of way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Creating your own cheat sheets, mental cheat sheets that work for you. Totally. So if someone's listening right now going, wow, this sounds really cool. I think I'd like to do that. What would you say to someone thinking about starting her own club or joining a speaker sisterhood club? I think that if, if, if you're feeling some apprehension about either being a speaker or creating your own club, I want you to just accept that that is going to be a part of this process. And know that as you move forward, that is going to get easier. And you will have the support of the other members, whether it be folks who are helping you to become a better speaker or, you know, if you are leading your own group, you will have other leaders that you're working with who will also be uh, your community and your support. So, you know, even though there may be that feeling of like, oh, gosh, I don't think I could do this. This like it makes me have to run to the bathroom every time I think about public speaking <laughs> like know that it will get easier. And I, and that is really just a part of what this is. And then the other piece is, why do you want to become a public speaker? Like really dive into that a little bit further and figure out why that's important to you. And then let that be the focus as opposed to the fear. Yes. Well put. Man. Thank you. I'm, pu I'm putting you on the marketing team. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> as long as I get a t-shirt, I'm there. <laughs> we'll get you a t-shirt. We'll get, we'll get you a hat, sweatpants, the, the shoelaces. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> well, Sandra, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It was really a pleasure to feature your, your wonderful speech and also get a chance to talk to you and share your story with my listeners. Thanks, Angela. I really appreciate everything. And I especially appreciate my sisters. They, they are the reason why I am becoming um, such a confident and inspiring speaker. Shout out to the sisters. <laughs>。今日のスピーチ And creativity from Lynn Simons. If you want more information about how to join the Speaker Sisterhood or become a licensed club leader, go to speakersisterhood.com. 
If you can't find a club near you, we are piloting a new virtual club available to women everywhere. That club launches in July, and more information is on our site at speakersisterhood.com. If you have questions about today's episode, email me, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. Thank you again for celebrating one year of podcasting and my 50th episode. I can't wait to celebrate number 100 with you. Who knows where we will be then? And I also have to say, the only thing that got me to actually start this podcast was my motto, the one I end every show with. If you've listened, you've heard it before. I hope this episode inspires you to go out and do the thing you're not ready to do. Who knows? You may just stumble upon your life mission. So guys, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.